What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Self Helpless Podcast. I'm Kelsey Cook. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Taylor Tomlinson. Can I say it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good old days. Oh, my gosh. Taylor. You know what? It just feels right in my bones. (laughs) So magical having you here looking at your face right now. I miss you guys. Miss you too. Dude, tell us what's been happening with you. It's the freaking kickoff. Of the theater tour tonight. It is. Tonight's the first night of my theater tour. I'm in a hotel room in Minneapolis. My laptop is balanced on a an ice bucket, just really doing it. Just I love it. Out here. Uh it's so funny. (laughs) I flew in the day before because as we all know, and as we all are, very type A. And I was like, I'll just fly in the day before. So I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to be nervous. And so I flew in last night, like flight is delayed sitting on the runway for like delayed, like you're on the plane already, but we can't leave. Not like you're delayed. Go get a Starbucks, like delayed, no access to food, no access to food. And by the way, don't get up to pee because then we'll blame you for not taking off. (sighs) It's your fault. And like, Kelsey, I'm sure, you know, when they sit you on the runway for a long time, sometimes they'll like turn off the air conditioning to like preserve power or something. (laughs) I don't know. So you're hot. I'm sitting next to, I I get upgraded to first class because I fly a lot. And whoever was next to me, I feel like she was a literal child, but she might've been like 22. You know, when you're like, this is a child, but they, who knows is eating and talking on the phone about how she's sick of the masks 
And like New York is crazy because they're re- they're requiring some people to show vaccine. New York is requiring most people to just show proof of vaccination now to go to things. And mm-hmm. she's just like, I can't know if she's vaccinated. The flight attendants are literally apologizing to me, like in low hushed tones. Where I was like, there's no way I could switch seats, right? Like I went into my bag to get another mask. And she was like, I don't blame you. Like this woman was asking this girl to put it over her nose for a long time. And the girl's like, it keeps falling down. Just one of those. (laughs) And talking about how she's like, I just want to like go out when I get in. Like talking about how she went out over the weekend and she's going to go out when she gets back. Just one of those people where you're like, you don't understand what it means to have look after your immune system. Like I just, anyway, so that was the beginning of it. And then I get in and like the driver didn't realize that my flight was delayed. So he's like mad at me because he left and went home and then had to come back like half an hour later. So I am like waiting, the Minneapolis airport's confusing. I get in, like everything's closed food wise. It's it's just one thing after another. Um, So a peaceful start. Peaceful start. Yeah. What's what's that thing they say? Like bad dress or bad dress rehearsal. Great, great opening night or something. Oh, it gets worse before it gets better. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a theater saying is if you have a bad dress rehearsal, it's actually a good sign. But also, thank God you went early. I know. And if you left it to like the day of, then you're like stranded and you're, you know, all kinds of shit. So, I mean. I know. <laughs> it's also just like, it's hard to complain about anything right now. Cause like my literal dream is coming true. Um, <laughs> right. But you really would still want to. You're still like. <laughs> you're still human. Still human. Shit's still you're tough sometimes. To. Still complaining, still doubting yourself. I told Dustin this morning, I was like, I should have called this the imposter syndrome tour. Mm. Oh, yeah. oh my god i know missed opportunity oh that would have been a good one Fuck. next one i feel like you're i feel like imposter syndrome will always kind of be around no matter how incredible you're doing yeah no i'm That's not gonna kind of ingrained yeah i'm not gonna like get a <laughs> self-esteem anytime soon next tour can be next tour can be imposter we'll save it we'll save that yeah. one <laughs> The shadow will still be following you. Save it in your pocket. Oh, I'm like, oh, it's just a bummer. I didn't use that before I healed fully. (laughs) (laughs) How have you been managing the stress or imposter syndrome or pressure of something like this? This is like, you know, it's the biggest tour of your career to date. And what have, what's been going through your head and how have you been doing and taking care of yourself? (laughs) God. I mean, so many questions in that. Um, I have been trying to focus on being grateful whenever I get get scared because I think that brings you back to like a grounded place. And, you know, again, bitching and moaning about all the stuff that could go wrong is like such a waste of time when the thing you wanted to happen and worked so hard for is happening. I'm like, I don't want to miss it. Cause I'm mm. too focused on not being good enough or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a lot right now. A lot of good things are happening, but it's also like, you get so busy. I was talking to Sam about this last night. 
and I'm so grateful that I have you guys. And we started this podcast when we did, uh, when we were all very much workaholics and oh my gosh, so yeah, much running ourselves into the ground in an alarming way. Um, yeah. because I was talking to Sam about it last night where I was, was like when we add stuff, we have to take something away. We can't just keep adding things. We can't just keep going. Okay, now I'm gonna do another podcast. Now I'm gonna do, you know, more shows in town. Now I'm gonna write this script. Right. Like you can't just keep adding stuff because it helps your career without making room for it. Right. Because yeah. something's gonna get muscled out. Yeah. Right. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. And you have to decide what it is or it's going to get decided for you. And it's probably going to be like your health. It's going to be you. Yeah. It's probably like, going to yeah. be you. It's going to be your health yeah. or your personal relationships. Yeah. Very well said. It You have to. It's the whole like spring cleaning concept, right? Where people are like, hey, yeah, you can go buy some new things, but a good rule of thumb is say you buy three new shirts, then you should donate three of your shirts. Otherwise, your closet's going to become insane. And it's the same thing with your life. You you have to be aware that your time in your day isn't infinite. It is, you only have so much. Yeah, your calendar <laughs> is a closet. That's so good. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> And saying no to awesome shit is hard. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. all this is awesome. What's the most awesome for me though? And I'm going to keep that shit. And then I have to say no to this other awesome shit. Yeah. And yeah. that's and that's really challenging. It's not like you have clearly awesome shit over here and then clearly awful stuff on the other end. It's all cool. It's all great. And when you get to that point, then it's especially challenging if you struggle with you know, workaholic tendencies or, you know, type A or perfectionism or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Like I have not been journaling. I have not been consistently going to the gym. Like there are things that have fallen by the wayside and it is stuff that is self-care stuff because you yeah. just don't have time. And I've been prioritizing sleep over everything. And that's made a big, that's made a big difference. Good. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. I don't have a family anymore, but I am <laughs> sleeping enough. <laughs> Something's got to give. Something's got to give. Right? Something had to go. The plate was full. <laughs> Siblings on the chopping block. I'm going to be a bad mom someday. I'm like, look, I'd like to hang out with my son, but I had to, I had to start another podcast. Mommy, mommy needs her eight hours of sleep. <laughs> that's a prioritizing sleep though for you that's a really big difference with if we take a snapshot of like four plus years ago when we started the podcast it was like for both of you guys like red eyes were a regular thing that you were doing taking you know for shows um sleep was something that was I think a recurring thing with you guys and yeah. the fact that you prioritize that now is a is huge it is. A big it, deal. It's a big difference. Yeah. That's a big deal. What have you been doing to like prioritize that? What's the biggest difference than what, like what you used to do versus what you do now with sleep? Um, if, if I have to leave at like six in the morning in order to get to a gig, I leave the night before. Yeah. Because, that's great. and it's, it's, it's more time, it's more money, but the alternative is I'm messed up for a few days sleep wise. And it's yeah. just not worth it. I mean, Kelsey and I have been 
uh, Loki sponsoring each other. <laughs> for <Roadster. laughs> we are each other. We are each other's sponsors. Yeah, we're just like, hey, <laughs> I should do this, right? And it's like, yeah, obviously, because it's easier to tell someone that you care about to do the right thing for their health than it is to tell yourself. Yeah. 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 And just having an on a bill person, somebody that keeps you doing the right thing, even if it feels harder in a certain way, it's like, Tay, I think you and I, yeah, we were just talking about this text about the whole doing things that your future self will thank you for, Mm -hmm. like long-term you will thank you for. And there's a lot of decisions you can make that in the short term feel easier and less stressful. But if you really go, yeah, but how is that going to impact my sleep and my health for a week? Then you go, "Mm," then that becomes a very easy decision. Yeah. And when you start thinking about it, like if I don't take care of myself now, my work is going to suffer in the future. That will sometimes help if you're stuck in workaholic brain where you're like, but I have to be productive, but I have to do all this stuff. And it's like, well, if you run yourself into the ground and you're exhausted, you might get sick. You might be in a bad place mentally. Like there, there are other ways your work can suffer. Um, just besides I'm not doing enough. Right. Right. Yeah. And like what, what you mentioned, you know, like planning for going somewhere the day before and stuff, it might feel like it's taking more time and energy and money, but in the long run, it's like how much time, energy, money, sanity are you saving by not getting sick and then being out for a week and all that stuff. So really long-term you're probably saving a lot, saving a lot of time, energy, money, creativity, whatever else. 100%. Um, And I am nervous because this theater tour, I mean, it's different than a club weekend, a club weekend. You fly in Wednesday or Thursday, you do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you fly home. So it's easier to, to take later flights. But with this theater tour, like, you know, I'm in Minneapolis tonight and tomorrow, and then I have to fly to St. Louis on Saturday for shows in St. Louis Saturday night. And if I don't get there because of weather or whatever, that's like really bad. That's like way worse than a club show where a club show, you know, Dustin could do those shows. Like that would be fine. Like, yeah, they'll have to refund some people, but a club show is easier to cover than a theater show. A theater show just gets canceled or rescheduled. And so I have to take like the first flight out. And so that's just going to be what my life is now is it's unavoidable. And it's funny. Cause you talk to like, I, I was talking to my agent about it and he was just like, yeah, I mean, you'll just get good at napping. He'll just, you'll just get good at catching up on sleep. And I was like, Oh, <sighs> I remember that though. <laughs> I remember what that was like. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah. Damn, it's man. tough, but it will feel so worth it when you're on stage and you'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure you're going to learn a lot with this first huge tour that like, you know, inspires the next tour. Like, here's what I would like to do differently. If anything, yeah. Right. Here's yeah. how much space I actually need in between shows and, you know, be able to, to move forward with that. Even the next yeah. game plan. Or I'll just get better at going to bed when I need to. Uh that yeah, that might help too. Yeah. <laughs> Life would be easier if we all just had an on and off switch that when it was like, okay, I need to go to sleep right now, we could just flip the switch, 
get the sleep we needed, flip it back on. But for me, I think the hard thing when I do maybe have to take one of those 6 a.m. flights or I'm trying to go to sleep after a night of two shows plus foosball afterward and my adrenaline is through the roof, I'm, I have a hard time winding down and sometimes doing edibles and magnesium can make you groggy the next day. It's just like, I, I wish that there was a more simple, like you just hit this switch and you're down for the night as opposed to risking, oh, is this going to be one of those nights that it takes me two hours to fall asleep? Yeah. And of course, if I read before bed, I fall asleep <laughs> faster. But do I do that? No. You know what you should, this is a book I'm maybe a third of the way through. It's called The Comfort Book by Matt Haig. And it is so wonderful. I'm loving it so much. I bought it for my mom and then I flipped through it and I was like, I fucking need this. It's just a hug in a book. Oh, nice. It's just a collection of like, he basically, he, he went through a very, very dark time in his life, a deep depression. And it's kind of all the things that helped him get through it. And now it's just this collection of like very sweet, uplifting things. It's, it's great for anybody. Is it like stories and quotes and anecdotes yeah, and stuff? Yeah, it's like, like a an easy. Stuff? It's an oh, easy nice. read. It's it's just nice though. It's a nice before bed read. That nice. sounds so nice. Get yourself yeah. a bedtime story. Oh, yeah, bedtime the comfort book. Because I also love like murder mystery thriller type books, but sometimes that ramps you up a little bit before <laughs> bed. But this is just a nice. It's like a weighted blanket in a book, and it just helps you. Have nice thoughts before you go to sleep. That's so nice. Yeah, because I've been having a lot of trouble focusing on reading because I my anxiety just gets so bad. Mm. And it's hard yeah, to focus. give this a try. It's it's an easy one. You don't have to be like super zeroed in. I find that even if I read three, four pages before bed, it helps me conk out. Okay. <laughs> that's really helpful. Yeah, it's yeah, a good one. I'm gonna try that. That is good. Is there anything else you're planning on doing throughout your tour just for self-care, even though you're going to be traveling all over? I mean, again, this is all, these are all very privileged things that I'm doing. Um, But Kelsey and I have also talked about this where it's like, we used to just try to save as much money as possible when we were on the road because it was like, well, I have to just save this money so that I have this money. So yeah, be careful. I'm home or I can get, you know, get a bigger apartment or whatever, whatever it is. And then I think we both realized this is 50% of our lives. Like we're on the road yeah. half the week. Yeah. I I've been booking better hotels than I used to stay in. And at first it was like, Oh, I could have, I could have had another $400 or whatever could have had another $300 like any amount of money that you could have had if you like sucked it up or whatever is is hard to get past but it really does make a difference especially like you know in terms of like being scared on the road like Kelsey and I have both had scary situations staying in like a secure hotel is such a big difference between there's such a big difference between staying in a hotel that's like secure as opposed to like the hotels I was staying at when I was, you know, 20 on the road by myself and people were literally like, like trying to break into my room at 2am, you know, like it's, it's a huge difference in terms of like how anxious you are and everything I try to do for self-care is just me minimizing anxiety. Yeah. Seriously. That's a big one. That makes a lot of sense. (laughs) So getting more sleep or trying to get more sleep 
getting nicer hotels, anything mm-hmm. else with like your like rituals or habits or like routine? I mean, Dustin's been able to travel with me, which has been nice. Um, and a big difference from what it used to be. Like I did a weekend in Oklahoma city last weekend and he wasn't able to come with me. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's what I remember now. I remember feeling really isolated and it's cause I was just in a city where I didn't know anybody and I was doing it every single weekend. And of course that was tough for my mental health. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways that my, my road life has changed, um, that has helped a lot and made it more doable. So Taylor, obviously we we're happy to have you back to kick off your tour with you and, uh, do this episode. And we asked what you wanted to cover. You wanted to cover the urethra yes, and specifically pelvic floor interstitial cystitis. There's a lot of things. So basically I was having some pelvic pain that I thought was like a UTI or something. Cause that's the only thing I've dealt with in the past. And I went to a bunch of doctors and it was a very frustrating, uh, you know, few months or year, whatever, just you spend all this time thinking your symptoms are one thing or like being told they're something and you just have to talk to the right person to find out what it is. Um, so I really wanted to do an episode um, about pelvic floor dysfunction, but also about all the other things around it, like UTIs and interstitial cystitis and all this stuff that I just didn't know about or understand until I was an adult woman um, and wish had been covered yeah. sooner. So I wanted to talk to a uh, professional, a, a urology specialist. Yeah. And it makes sense that that's such a high priority right now with your tour Mm -hmm. since, you know, things can aggravate it and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we have a really great guest. And there's so much misinformation out there about like how you can get a UTI and how you can't get a UTI or or ways that you can cure it on your own. Like there's just so much out there. And so we were lucky enough today to have on Dr. Rena Malik. She is a urologist and an expert in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery uh, slash urogynecology. She focuses on the care of patients with pelvic health, health issues. Uh, Dr. Malik was named top urology and urogynecology doctor in Baltimore Magazine for 2019. So we just... Oh, she's amazing. We are very lucky to have her. And we, uh, we asked her every possible question we could think of. Oh. Yeah, and it I was mean, kind of embarrassing blowing. at points. It was a little embarrassing. This is a very, <laughs> very open episode. So we hope that um, the the info we were able to gather helps anybody else out there that needs it. So yes. uh, without further ado, here's our interview with Dr. Malik. All right. Thank you so much for being here with us, Dr. Malik. Um, we have just a whole bunch of questions <laughs> regarding urology and and uh, pelvic floor health and UTIs, all those sort of things. So um, before we get into it, do you mind kind of telling us how you went into this field? What made you interested in this line of work? Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to go into medical school. I did try out some other stuff before I went into medical school, but going into medical school, I had no preconceived notions of what I was going to do. I thought I would be a medicine doctor, like a regular, typical medical doctor. Um, And then I did a summer research elective on obstetrics and gynecology and loved being in the operating room. I thought that was just the coolest thing. And then when I went into 
my third year rotations, I was really surprised, but I actually really liked surgery. I liked working with my hands. I liked being able to fix something really quickly, but I didn't like general surgery necessarily. So I looked into the subspecialties and I always liked OB back in the day, the gynecology portion of it. And I, you know, and I liked talking about kind of intimate things and dealing with those sorts of issues. And when I found urology, it just clicked. It was just this amazing field where you can do a really diverse types and different types of operations. You can work with people throughout their lifespan. Um, so you get longitudinal care. And then I could also still take care of women and do pelvic floor disorders by doing a fellowship in FPMRS. And so I thought that was just amazing. I loved the kind of people that were in urology. I think that's so important. No matter what you go into, you have to like your colleagues because they're going to be around you all the time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Amen, amen to that. Yes. We're yeah. lucky on this podcast. We know how that, that we, goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I know, Tay, you and I have a whole long list of questions. Do you want to get into any of yours and we can just kind of ping pong back and forth? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's hard to know even where to start. Um, <laughs> I've had I've had an interesting journey uh, this last <laughs> couple years. Um, so I think that I am one of those unfortunate people who's genetically like predisposed to UTIs. Um, I was not sure. My mom apparently had them a lot uh, when she was younger. And I only, I didn't get them for a long time. And then I was, when I would get them, they were like, I felt like tougher, tougher than maybe other people's that I knew. And so I started like really paying attention to it in terms of like supplements and like water and all these things. And then this year I thought I was getting UTIs all the time. And it turns out that I have pelvic floor dysfunction, which just feels like you have a UTI all the time. So I kept going into, you know, urgent care or whatever doctor, and they'd say, we don't see an infection. Uh, and I was like, well, I'm in pain and I know better than you. So just give me an antibiotic. <laughs> and then they just give me an antibiotic. So I was taking all these antibiotics when I didn't have an infection. And I finally saw a uh, gyno urologist who was like, oh yeah, you have pelvic floor dysfunction. And so I guess I have, I would like for you to tell people who may not know what pelvic floor dysfunction is and maybe what causes it and all that, because I'm sure you can explain it better than I can. And this was something I did not even know was a thing. And I remember I posted some funny video about recurrent UTIs on TikTok of all places. And so many people were like, oh, it might be interstitial cystitis. It might be pelvic floor dysfunction. Like there's all these different things that can feel like a UTI and aren't. So um, maybe you could explain both even for people who may not know. Yeah, Absolutely. So I will tell you, this is so common. Your experience is actually very common in what I see, because I see a lot of people like you who've gone to urgent care over and over again, or their primary care doctor, gotten multiple rounds of antibiotics, are very much struggling and frustrated. And then no one's ever examined them to find out about their pelvic floor or even checked a urine culture. Sometimes they'll just check a little dipstick in the office, which doesn't really tell you if you have an infection or not. So for those of you who are struggling with UTIs who are listening, make sure that you check you know, you get your urine checked with a urine culture to make sure that you're actually finding bacteria in the urine, uh, because a lot of people don't do that, especially in young, healthy women otherwise. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. 
Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And then, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction is one of the things that I think is really underdiagnosed in general. It's essentially the pelvic floor is like a bowl of muscles that sits right underneath our organs. So it holds up our bladder, holds up our rectum, and it can, it helps us in a lot of different ways for moving postures, holding up those organs, having pregnancies, lots of things, sex. And so it's also very, just like any other muscles in our body can be subject to stress and tension. And so like people get TMJ where they get a really tight jaw and they clench their teeth and then they get headaches, very similarly, stress, anxiety, those sorts of things. Or if you've had a recent trauma to the area, or maybe one time you did have a true infection that kind of kicked it off, but those things can cause those muscles to be just tense all the time. And it's as if you like did your bicep and you, and you pulled it and you just kept it that way for, you know, you were lifting weights, you just kept it flexed the whole time. It would start really hurting. And because these muscles are underneath all these organs, they can present with a lot of different symptoms. They can present with pain with urination, urinary urgency, like gotta go, gotta go, going more often than usual. And they can present with constipation, pain with sex, um, you know, all sorts of different things and kind of even lower abdominal pain. And so you can very easily confuse it for uh, infection. And it often happens when you're more stressed. Yeah. Oh Which is just God. another great, uh, side effect of anxiety. You're like, did you know this part of your body could hurt because of your brain as well? Mm-hmm. That's fun. It's so yeah. crazy. It's like, I've been a female my whole life and I never heard about any of this shit. And it's like, why, how come nobody's telling us, you know, this is so, so why do you think that is that, you know, women like, you know, in their thirties are hearing about this stuff for the first time. And this isn't, we are not educated sooner. Well, I think one is that women's health has always been a little bit undervalued in society. I mean, if you think about women who have pain with sex, they can't find help or treatment or or anything. In fact, some of those codes I can't even bill for, like insurance won't pay for to see a patient with a woman with pain with sex, but a man who has difficulties what? with erections can get a whole surgery covered to help him get a penile uh, What? What the fuck? So, yeah. oh, oh, my God. My God. Oh, I'm so angry. Wow. And not that I'm mad about men. I mean, everyone should have access to care, right? I'm no. glad they have that. No, not men. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll but be mad on your behalf. 
But women, you know, absolutely. I think that there's just not enough research in these things. So a lot of people don't even know about it, right? Unless you do a specialized fellowship or you take an interest in it. Like I have colleagues who've gotten really interested in it and never did a fellowship and have read a lot about it. But if you don't look into those things, you won't know about it. So if you ask a regular primary care doctor, I bet you nine out of 10 of them will not know that the pel- that pelvic floor, what pelvic floor dysfunction really is and what it causes and how it, how can it present? I mean, they may have heard of the term before, but they won't know a lot about you know how to diagnose it and treat it and things like that. Yeah, and you can't even really explain how bad a UTI is or can be to someone who's never had one. Like, it just there's no way to do it where they'll like fully right. get it. Like, I know people who have like gotten one for the first time. And they were like, oh my God, I had no idea this is what it was. Like, I know I said, yeah. I'm sorry you're dealing with that. I did not know it felt this bad. Because <laughs> it just seems like oh, something yeah. you should be able to push through. Oh no, I, interestingly, there is some data to suggest that about 40% of people can kind of self-treat their UTIs, like they'll drink enough fluids and they'll clear out the infection. They won't need antibiotics. And probably a lot of people get a low grade of infection, not one that's like a full-blown UTI. And they probably just drink more fluids and it clears up by itself. But a UTI can be extremely annoying. So painful, of course, when you pee, but this urgency and frequency, like running to the bathroom all the time, it's really impacts your quality of life. You can't work. You can't do anything because you're just constantly in pain or running to the bathroom. And people just don't really understand how important these bodily functions are until they have a problem with them. Yeah. Right. Um, I have questions about Kegels. Um, by the way, am I pronouncing that right? Is it Kegels or Kegels? I think you can say either. I think that okay. there's no, I've heard it both ways. I always say yeah. Kegels. Nobody's um, looked into it because men can't do it. <laughs> we don't know. That's like the men benefits. Can, oh, men, men do, do it. it. Men can do oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do a fellowship. What do, um, what do, what are male Kegels? So they're the, so they're the same. The, the point is you're, you're, you're contracting your pelvic floor muscles and then relaxing them. So you're doing reps to strengthen your pelvic floor muscles. And with men, it's just harder because for women, it's like, okay, pull your vagina up and in, or like you're holding in a fart, things like that. But for men, (laughs) they just don't really understand that whole concept. Yeah. So it's a little bit harder. Men don't hold in do farts. They hold farts. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what is that? People do that? Yeah, pretend, pretend you're considerate of other people around you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that the big reason that men do it is very often after they've had a prostate surgery for prostate, for prostate cancer, they will need to do them because they'll lose one of the sphincters that's in the prostate. So in order to keep urinary control, they start learning how to do them. And and some men do them, uh, even if they don't have that, like for sexual pleasure, they get stronger orgasms or, or things like that. Um, but you know, they can do them and some of them do. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think there's a really big thing, um, in our society that is told to women is that you need to be doing your Kegels, right? Not just to make sex feel better and, you know, be hot and tight and all that stuff, but also for going forward, if you have babies someday and stuff, like the importance of keeping your pelvic floor strong. But now that I've learned more about pelvic floor dysfunction and all of that, that there are some people who should not be doing Kegels because that muscle is 
too strong already or it's too tight or too tense. And how do you know if you're one of these people that should not be doing Kegels? Like, so I think the thing is that one is if you're having any recurrent urinary tract infections or symptoms like that, which again, we've talked about already, or if you're having pain with sex, um, or if you're having um, constipation, these sorts of things may be a sign that you have some pelvic floor dysfunction and doing Kegels will make it worse. So if you are dealing with like really those sorts of symptoms or like chronic lower back pain, but you've never had an injury or other causes for it, um, I might see a urologist and get an exam to make sure that that's the right thing for you. And then yeah, it's great to to do them, but a lot of people don't do them correctly. And that's that's kind of a problem. One is if you do them, you need to strengthen and make sure you're strengthening, actually doing it correctly. And then you need to relax because if you don't relax, some people just do a Kegel and then keep doing them and keep doing them. And they never take five seconds in between to relax. Just like when you're in the gym, right? You do sets and then you relax. It's important for your muscles to keep being coordinated and get that rest time. Otherwise you can develop pelvic floor dysfunction even if you didn't have it before. Um, so those are kind of ways to, things to be careful about. So I'm very hesitant to tell people you should all do Kegel exercises. I think if you start having, you know, issues like you're starting to feel a, a bulge in the vagina or you're starting to feel like maybe you're not holding your urine as much, then those sorts of things you can go see a, your urologist about and, and see if maybe Kegels are the right thing for you. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, you have to be careful, like I said, to, to do them correctly and to make sure you're giving that time to relax. What's a bulge in your vagina? I feel yeah, like I'm so eight years old right now in like no, sex no. ed class where I'm like, wait, what? Another thing that can go wrong. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. So there's this thing called pelvic organ prolapse. And it's actually very common in the sense that like if I examined every woman who's had a baby, probably half of them would have some like some evidence of dropping from your from your vagina before having babies. But that doesn't mean that it's a problem for everybody. So uh, about 11 to 12% of women in their lifetime will have surgery for something like a bulge that they feel in their vagina. And what that is, is a weakening of those pelvic floor muscles that will allow the pressure from the organs to come down. So people might say something like my bladder is falling out or my rectum is falling out or my uterus is falling out, but really it's the wall of the vagina that's getting weak and allowing a bulge to come. And so for some people that can present, like you feel like something's falling out, you, you feel like um, you might have more urinary symptoms or you might have difficulty with bowel movements or things like that, or just feels uncomfortable. Um, and so for those things, um, you know, pelvic floor exercises can help prevent it from getting worse. And sometimes um, in a rare cases can actually improve it, but most of the time it helps prevent it from getting worse. Okay. Wow. How do you, um, if you feel that you are too, if the muscles down there are too um, tight and too strong and too um, clenched, I guess, what are some things you can do to, can you reverse pelvic floor dysfunction? Are there ways to help make those muscles kind of become more regular again? Absolutely. So I always tell, I send my patients to certified pelvic floor physical therapists and they work with you to help 
identify which muscles are tense, what exercises you can do to relax. And there are some good you know, resources online, but you want to look for what's called pelvic floor down training. And you can learn certain exercises that can help you relax the pelvic floor. They might even show you like little areas that you can massage or use vaginal dilators or things like that to help you, you learn how to relax those muscles again. And it's just like anything, whether it's you're doing Kegel exercises because you want to help your urine control or your bulge, or you're trying to downtrain your pelvic floor muscles. In either case, it's like going to the gym. You have to commit to like doing it regularly and really making time for yourself. And I think women are horrible at committing, giving themselves time. They're so busy taking care of everybody else. And then they come to me like 10 years later when they've been suffering with something for 10 years. And so it's, you know, it's really something that I tell women, like you're worth it, take care of yourself because, you know, if you can't take care of yourself, you're just going to suffer later on and it's okay to take that time for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Oh, amen to amen. that. <laughs> I started, I started doing pelvic stretches for like 30 minutes a day because it gets worse, especially when I travel but I was also having like pain during sex. And like, there were a lot, there were a lot of things that would trigger it. And for a while I thought it was something else. And when I found out it was muscular, I looked up stretches online. Cause I didn't, I didn't feel like I was going to have time to go to physical therapy and it's good to know that that's an option. But yeah, I started doing these stretches for like at least 30 minutes a day and it helped a lot. And then just mentally telling myself like, okay, relax. Do you feel how it's tight right now? Also telling myself not to panic when I felt like I had to pee because I was starting to panic where I thought that if I held it too long, I would get a UTI. Like I was just so nervous all the time around not, not peeing enough or not drinking enough water that it was, it was contributing to it. Right. And it's making it worse. It's like a self-perpetuating cycle, right? You get anxious about the symptoms and then your symptoms get worse and you get more anxious and it just kind of goes and goes and goes. So working on stress reduction in whatever way that is, in fact, yoga has been shown in some studies to help as well. So, you know, those sorts of things can really go a long way. Yoga, meditation, anything that reduces your overall stress and anxiety can help. Yeah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are there, are there any temp tips to prevent something like a UTI that we could be doing daily or weekly or anything like that? Yeah. So one is drinking lots of fluids for a UTI specifically, you know, that we recommend two to three liters. They've done studies that took people with their normal amount of fluid and then took another group and said, drink a liter and a half more. 
and they found that they reduced their UTI. Uh, this is women who had recurrent UTIs, but reduced their UTIs by 46%. So fluid is amazing, right? It's going to dilute all that bacteria and that's going to help. But if you're having pelvic floor dysfunction, it's going to make you pee more and it might make you more uncomfortable. So it can be, um, if it's not UTI, you know, it can make you, <laughs> it can make you quite uncomfortable. Um, but for UTI yeah. specifically, drinking lots of water is key. And then um, for uh, some people, cranberry tablets, but they have to be a certain dosage of cranberry and in the soluble form to work. So all the over-the-counter cranberry stuff doesn't really work. It needs to have 36 milligrams of proanthocyanidines, which is the active ingredient and needs to be in a soluble form. And so there's only a couple companies that I know of that make it in a soluble form that actually works. And so... I think a lot of people are buying stuff that doesn't work. And that is something that really frustrates me is that people are all trying to make a quick buck, right? And they're not actually worried about how, you know, how good the product works. Oh my Can gosh, I go get the, the bottle brands? of what I take every day and show you and you tell <laughs> sure, me? Yeah. Yeah. Very bad. yeah. You Would you talking. be able to share what brands you do recommend purchasing? Yeah. So the one I, I recommend often is Allura, E-L-L-U-R-A. Right. And they make a soluble form. And then the other one is called Her Vital Way, um, which is almost as good as Allura, but it's a little bit more affordable. Wow. Okay. That is so fascinating. I did not know that, you know, not all of them are effective. What do you have, Kelsey? Okay. So this is the now brand. It's Manos Cranberry. It says there's 900 milligrams of D-Manos and 500 milligrams of cranberry with proanthocyan. Yeah, that's the active... That's the active ingredient. I mean, so there is some data on D-Manos too, but it's not currently recommended by the guidelines. So there is some data that I think it's two grams of D-Manos a day helps, but I don't, again, I don't routinely prescribe it because the data is not mature enough to, to say that it's worth it. But I have patients who swear by it and say it really works. Okay. So there's that. And then Taylor and I both started trying this brand called Eucora, which is it's just like a little powder that you dump into water and they say it's good to do um, if you feel like maybe UTI is coming on. It's good to do like right after sex um, to drink this. And it's vitamin C, vitamin B6, calcium, magnesium, potassium, and D-mannose. Yeah, I think the active ingredient in that is D-mannose as well. Again, like I said, the data is not completely mature, but there is some data to suggest that D-mannose is good in prevention. Um, but, you know, it gets to be very costly, right? You're spending all this money on stuff. So I tell people start with one thing at a time. And if you're postmenopausal, so for any anyone who's listening who might be postmenopausal, estrogen cream, vaginal estrogen cream is actually very effective in reducing recurrent UTIs. So I like, that's one of the most common things I prescribe is vaginal estrogen. Um, you know, go ahead and use it and their UTIs will be much, much better after about six weeks. Oh, wow. wow. Can you use that if you are not? menopausal or postmenopausal? No, because normally you have a normal amount of estrogen, but some women who are on oral contraceptives may not have enough. So it just kind of depends. I don't typically routinely use it on, on women who are premenopausal, unless you're perimenopausal, like you're almost there because um, you can start reducing the amount of estrogen your body, your, your body makes. Um, but usually if you're young and normal and healthy, I wouldn't uh, use vaginal estrogen. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, the D-Manos powder I started taking consistently. And then that that mix that Kelsey's talking about, I do sometimes a couple times a day um, if I'm traveling or, you know, anything like that. Um, 
I did. I ordered Allura online. Uh, I thought I had another thing with me, but I don't. I also, I have supplements that are like, it has like D-manos, you know, cranberry, whatever, like grapefruit, something. And then like, um, some sort of acid. And then it also has Ursa Irvi, Irvi. Is that? I don't know any data on that. So the only ones I know data on are cranberry, D-manos, methanamine, which is a prescription. Um, Trying to think what else. I think that's it. As on the top of my head, those are the top three that I um, know about and heard about. The other stuff, you know, not to say that it doesn't help, but it it certainly um, is not studied. So I have somebody who will do like my... Um, my infectious disease colleagues does like curcumin from one study that she saw and she does boric acid vaginal suppositories because they're supposed to help acidify the vagina and help make the acidic environment in the vagina actually prevents infection from getting into the bladder. And so that's why what happens after you lose estrogen is you lose that acidity. And so when you're postmenopausal, you need the estrogen to make your vagina more acidic. So for some people, boric acid suppositories help in that regard and help make it more acidic and help prevent UTIs. Here's something I was doing for a little while um, that, cause I heard it was preventative uh, baking soda. What like drinking baking soda water. Is that not a thing? Because if not, I choked back a lot of bad liquid. No, no data to suggest baking soda. (laughs) Where did you find that? Reddit or something? I honestly, yeah. Yeah, it was Reddit. TikTok comments. TikTok comments, comments, Reddit. I was like, I will do anything. It tasted so bad. It was... Wow. Yikes. It was like... I mean, I won't even... Other things, guys, avoid spermicides. So make sure whatever, you know, your condoms or lubricants don't have spermicide in them. And then for some people, like lubricants can be really irritating. And so using a water-based lubricant and making sure the ingredients have a pH that matches the normal vaginal pH and the osmolality that matches the normal vaginal osmolality can be really important. So for some people, while that won't cause a UTI, it may cause irritation that feels like a UTI mm. and things like wearing cotton underwear and not overwashing. So I see a lot of people, especially those with UTIs that feel like they're dirty, which is not true at all. Like there's nothing dirty about them. In fact, they're probably the cleanest patients I see and they are just overwashing and then they get really irritated skin. And so on top of having UTIs, they're like, I have all this irritation on my labia and it's causing me a lot of discomfort. So no overwashing, cotton underwear, those sorts of things can help too. Mm, Those are good tips. So, I mean, you've talked about it a little bit already, but are there any kind of misconceptions or common misconceptions that you find that people have about UTIs or pelvic floor dysfunction? I feel like some of this stuff is very stigmatized where people are like, oh, just clean yourself better or whatever, right? Like, is there anything else that people should be aware of with this stuff? Yeah. Well, so the cleaning one, absolutely. I hear it all the time. And that's probably the first thing I tell my patients is like, you are not dirty. Stop worrying about, there's nothing you're doing. There's no wiping. There's no like direction you're going to wipe or thing that you're going to do that's going to cause you to get a UTI. So there's no data to suggest that. So don't worry about that. The second thing I often hear is like, oh, did I get it from my partner? And while sex can be a trigger for UTIs because of more of like the motion of sex, it's not that the person who you're having sex 
infect with has a UTI and is giving it to you. And so it's not like a sexually transmitted infection. So I think people have a lot of misconceptions and often even break up with their significant other because they think they're getting UTIs from them. But isn't the wipe, isn't the direction wiping a factor? Because I mean, not that anybody's doing, I, I hate it when people use this as a suggestion for people who get UTIs where they go like, well, do you wipe, you know, front to back? It's like, yeah, we're adults. Most of us do that. Uh, I think that's more like if you're a kid and you get them like kids, usually. but isn't that a thing? Because you're, this is all so gross, but whatever, we're doing it. Um, (laughs) like E. coli, like from poop can cause a UTI. So if like a kid is wiping like back to front, they can sometimes like swoop that bacteria. Well, I think if you're, as an adult, if you're wiping from back to front, you're not like wiping it onto your urethra. So like, I think you're going to be right. okay, right? And there's actually no data to suggest that the direction of wiping makes a difference. So, you know, oh, I think like yeah. some people may wipe back to front, but they're not like rubbing it on their urethra. Like right. kids, yes, maybe they're getting it on their urethra because they're not that coordinated yet. But adults, I mean, you'd have to, Maybe some adults, but very infrequently. Right. Very infrequently. Mm. Yeah. Kelsey, do you have a question? There's just so <laughs> many. Like dumbfounded. Like, well, your guys' facial expressions are the best. <laughs> <laughs> They're just so like, what question. is happening? What? <laughs> so, I mean, it, Taylor and I talk about it. It feels a little like whack a mole ish with trying to. Where it's just like for dudes, it's like they just have their dick and they don't have to think about. Also, because on a penis, their urethra is so much longer than ours. And so it's so much easier for us to get a UTI. And like, can we talk about the whole, um, you know, tips for not getting UTIs after sex where it's like you're supposed to pee before, you're supposed to pee after? Like, are those valid things to you or is that more misconception stuff? So again, there's no data to suggest that it helps, but I tell people like, I don't know about before because that kind of kills the mood, but like after, absolutely. So if you can pee after one time, great. Like that's not going to hurt you. Get up out of bed and go pee, but you don't have to like shower and like do this whole production after sex. Like just, you know, go ahead, pee and, and, you know, go relax afterwards. But I don't, again, there's no data to suggest that it helps, but I think it's like not going to hurt you. So go ahead and do it. Mm. Okay. And like, you're such a gift to have you on the show. And I think we're all just like scraping through every corner of our brain. Like what else can we possibly ask her while we have her on here? Because you're a wealth of knowledge. And so I'm trying to just make sure I ask her. Did we cover what? Oh, go ahead. I wonder if we're going to ask the same thing. Can you tell us what interstitial cystitis is, if I'm even saying that correctly? Because that was another thing I didn't know existed. I thought that's what it was for a minute. And I, I just like went on a very rigorous elimination diet for like six weeks and then it didn't help. So I knew it wasn't that. Um, but can you explain what that is? Because I know a lot of women like for years don't know that that's what they have. Yeah. So it's a sensation of pain that's perceived to be from the bladder that exists for six months or longer that um, is not associated with a culture proven urinary tract infection. So you're having this pain. Sometimes it can be with urgency and frequency and nocturia waking up at night to pee. Um, and But there's always a pain component with it. 
And so, yes, that it can be, but it's a diagnosis of exclusion. So you have to have ruled out all these other things before you go down the interstitial cystitis pathway, because it, there's no test to tell me, yes, you have interstitial cystitis and no, you don't. Oh, that's mm. so hard. It's so hard when they're all, there's all these things you could have that the only way you know you have them is if the right doctor hears your list of symptoms. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's a struggle, but you want to make sure you find a doctor that you feel comfortable with. I tell my patients all the time, like we're in this together. You know, there's no, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know as providers about like what is going to work for you individually. And so it may take a little while before we get you on a regimen that works for you, but we're going to work together and figure that out. And this, you know, and, and just kind of setting the expectation that it could be a long haul, but I'm with you. And I think that helps. That's so sweet. That, that makes me want to hug you through the through the <laughs> screen because it together. is yeah. it is like a, you can, it can feel isolating. It's not something that women talk about super openly all the time if they're struggling with like your pelvic floor feeling really tight and all this stuff. It's like Taylor, you were very brave to go on your TikTok and be like, "Look, this is what's going on with me. I need some help." And it was such this big community of women that came together and they're like, try this. I've struggled with this. See if this helps. And so I think to have a provider like you, Dr. Malik, who tells people like, look, we're going to figure this out. You're not alone. It's like, that's just pretty, pretty invaluable. So if, if somebody's tuning in right now and they're like, oh gosh, this is resonating with me. I think I have this. What is their very first step? Is it to find a specialist or go to their general care practitioner? So generally, if it's like your first UTI, you should go to your primary care doctor. First UTI, you don't need a urine culture because usually young, healthy women will have one or two and it's okay. But if you start having more than two in six months or more than three in a year, it's a good idea to see a specialist and to make sure that every time you get a UTI, you're getting a urine culture. So when you go to the specialist, you can say, hey, I've had this number of UTIs over this period of time, and here's my results from all my cultures. So that way, you know, we kind of have a, a good idea of what's going on, what bacteria is growing. Is it the same bacteria? Is it a different bacteria? And, you know, what antibiotics are sensitive to it? So it helps us, you know, come up with a plan for you and say, hey, okay, you're getting a different bacteria every time. So let's just work on prevention measures, whereas you're getting the same bacteria and it won't go away. And maybe we need to look for other sources. Like maybe you have a kidney stone or maybe you have something else going on that's causing these UTIs. So those are things that, you know, I would recommend if you are struggling. Awesome. And if, if somebody doesn't have access to healthcare or being able to see a specialist, are there any other services or foundations or anything that you can make them aware of? Yeah. So I would, I mean, there's good education on, it's called the Urology Care Foundation has some good information as well as the um, pelvic floor dysfunction, uh, pelvic PFDN it's called. And they have these really good patient um, education materials that you can read through and they're, they're easy to read and kind of talk about basic things that can be really helpful. Um, And then, you know, when you're looking for stuff online nowadays, there's so much stuff on TikTok, social media, YouTube, whatever. And I think just important to look at where you're getting the information from, like make sure it's a reputable source, make sure it's really somebody who is is an expert in the area and they're not like peddling something where they're going to be making a ton of money. 
um, because there's a lot of people preying on young women who are struggling, right? And they're selling them like peach tea and saying, hey, this is going to help your UTIs or whatever. And um, there's no data. Like look on the website. Is there any like published data in an academic journal, in a scientific journal that shows that your, your product works? Like where are you getting this information from? Where, how can I believe your studies? Not just like people's reviews because that stuff, can be manipulated, but more like, is there data behind it? Such a good tip. Such a good tip. Fact checking. It's very important. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Tay, do you have any other questions? I think that's everything I had. Do you have anything else? Yeah. No, same. You're wonderful. That Thank you for awesome. talking I feel like to we us. We spat and... so many questions at you <laughs> yeah, that were highly emotionally right. charged. Your <laughs> pelvic floor is probably tense after it talking is. to us. <laughs> we are. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Dr. Malik, do you, um, where can people find you and your work and all that good stuff? Yeah. So I'm on social media. I'm on YouTube is my biggest platform. And then I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and I just started a TikTok. So we'll see where that goes, but um, you can find me basically Rena Malik MD on all the platforms. Um, and, uh, and feel free to reach out. I'll, I get a lot of messages, so I will do my best to get back to you if you message me, but if I don't, don't be offended. It's just, uh, I'm it's only me. (laughs) Yes. Totally. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Yeah. This is eye-opening. Oh, what a lovely guest. That I mean, geez, I just didn't know so much about something that I've had my whole life. Why aren't we being taught about this in high school, middle school? It's so... We have health classes. Like they spend all of health class in school, at least where I grew up, going, don't have sex. (laughs) <laughs> but we know, but we know you're going to. So here's what you should do when you have the sex you're not supposed to have. That's all right, health yeah. class was. There was no. Here's what a UTI feels like. Here's right. what you should be doing to prevent it. This is what pelvic floor dysfunction is. None of that. Just don't have sex. None of it. None yeah. of it. It's crazy that in our 30s we're learning these things, and it's our fucking bodies. Right. Like that's so sad that there's such a big disconnect and. Oh man, you know what? This reminds me of the episode we did about birth control with Dr. Jolene Brighton, where we were finding that stuff out for the first time after having been on, well, no, Kelsey, right? We had been on birth control over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Tay, I can't remember how long you had been on it, but that was just, right. And that was like, (laughs) nobody told us when we were actually getting the birth control. Yeah. All the different, all the different information behind it. So yeah, this is what a, what an important episode. I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, this was selected. Yeah. I, I love the fact that we were like, Taylor, come to an episode. And it's like, what should we talk about? How about the urethra? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Also, thank God for podcasts where you can listen to a doctor talk for 40 minutes. Because when you go into a doctor's office, yes, they like, I don't know if doctors just like overbook all day or something. They're always running late. They're always behind. You're always waiting longer than you think you will be. And once you get the doctor in, it's like, they're like ready to go. They're like, yep, this is what it is. Here's your prescription. Buy it. Like, I always feel like I am keeping the doctor at a party. They're trying to leave. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Can you almost just feel the eye roll when you say, um, I just have a few questions. You can feel the energy in their body go, Oh, like, (laughs) Oh, and it's, I feel like I'm holding them hostage. And it's like, I, it took me so long to see you. Let me have, I have questions for you. This is your job. Yeah. yeah. I, feel like- I have no idea, obviously what it's like to have 
their schedule. I'm probably, there's probably so many like systemic things that we're just not aware of why they have, why they can only take like five minutes per person who fucking knows. I'm sure our healthcare system has a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeesh. Um, we, uh, we have an iTunes review of the episode. This is from 971 Lucy. Um, they say, you are amazing. I enjoy your podcast so much. You are so relatable and open. Thank you for being you. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks, Lucy. Very nice. Lovely. Boy, talk about an open episode. Yeah. Wide open. Legs wide open. Come on into our podcast. Yes. Any Um, hot segments? Um, oh, I, I, I have a treat yourself. I got bitchin' new headphones and I'm very excited about them. Nice. Yes. That was a bit like, I know that I probably sound more excited than I should be about headphones, but I just have been this whole time going with the ones that Apple gives you for free. Uh, not the AirPods always with the cord still. I haven't had AirPods ever. What? Yes, and I fucking travel for a living and I haven't had AirPods. I know, <laughs> I know, but this is part of me taking care of myself that I was like, okay, no more. So I've been on airplanes with babies screaming their heads off for six hours with no noise cancellation. Oh my gosh. Ooh. Every week, I've been an idiot. And I love, music's such a big part of my life. I love music so much. And I uh, have been listening to podcasts and music on like full volume on a plane because I can't hear it otherwise. I'm probably fucking up my ears. So I splurged and I got the newest version of the Sony over the ear, like intense. And they, oh my God. It's like, I'm hearing some songs for the first time or something, like how they're supposed to actually sound. Somebody in my DM said, it's like having sex without a condom for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Like you can feel everything. It's, oh, the... The music sounds so good. The noise canceling is incredible. And I I am going to be on a plane in a couple hours for the first time with them. And I'm, I'm excited to fly. <laughs> I'm like actually excited to have them That's on the plane. I think it's going to really change traveling for me. So I'm pretty, pretty psyched about it. That's so awesome. Nice. That's Thanks. a good one. Yeah. How about you guys? Taylor? I mean, my good shit is just that uh, this theater tour is finally starting after me talking about it for so long. It's funny, like, I'm sure there are people who are like, first night, you won't shut up about this for like months. (laughs) We thought you were on tour. Like, that's the thing about social media is people just skim it and they're like, you're already doing that. Um, I remember when my special came out, there were people who were like, congrats on the special coming out. And I was like, oh, it comes out next month. Like, people just don't realize um, right. So yeah, this finally starting is very exciting. Uh, I'm very nervous. Uh, and if you want to get tickets, I'm coming to a bunch of cities. So ttomcomedy.com. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We've been yeah. plugging it on here. Thanks, the last, guys. Yeah, however many months. Absolutely. I don't know. But Absolutely. trying to get the people out. Yes. Thanks, you <laughs> um, um, Delaney, how about you? I got a good shit. I, uh, um, I got. I bought my first pair of orthopedic sandals. Oh my god! God Almighty! You guys, I don't know what it is about now being in my thirties, but shit, some of shit has gone south very quickly, <laughs> and I now get like really bad, dry, cracked heels out of nowhere. I don't know if it's just because it's especially hot this summer or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm like, okay, I got to get some stuff for this. So I bought myself some orthopedic sandals, and they, you know, they're. They look like old lady sandals. I mean, nothing against old ladies, but like they are very, it's a distinct look. Um, but I love them and they're so comfy and I wear them everywhere. 
<laughs> I was like, Cam, this is like, oh, and I also got myself some special heel cream and I Boy. got myself some special <laughs> socks that are specifically for dry cracked heels. Oh my God, I'm wearing them right now. Oh my God, the foot fetish community is going to be going ham over. See that? Oh my God. Okay. There's, they're for your cracked heels. They have a silicone piece that goes on your, on your heel. So it traps in the moisture. So you got to put your special heel cream on, you put your little fancy sock on, and then you can wear your orthopedics. Wow. People who start listening to the podcast at the beginning and then like binge to get caught up, they're going to be like, oh, did 20 years pass from Ah! the time they started until now? No, four, but Delaney turned 60. Yes. You know what your socks look like to me? Do you remember Miss Trunchbull and Matilda? Oh my god! She wore oh my those god. gray yes. fingerless gloves. gloves. That's what yep. your foot just looked like to me just now. I do. My feet gave me are a little about bit to of a flashback to crush some shit. Oh, yeah. But like that's but that's been my uh, my newlywed life with Cam. Is I wear special things on my feet now. That's so <laughs> funny. Okay, we're just letting it all hang out now. We are. Actually, this is a good this is a good theme because the the cream that I got, it's like I think it's called urea cream or something. And the reason it works is because and this could be not true. I have I didn't fact check. (laughs) But there is a compound in the cream that is basically like urine. It's not urine, but I guess it's acidity is like it, and that's why it heals your feet. Okay. Well, now everyone's just thinking about peeing on your feet. Yeah. Um, there's so many sexual fetishes that you are tapping into this episode. I thought it was Boy. appropriate for this one. Uh, it really? Because, you know, we talked about I the mean, vagina so much. And I, got, I wear urine on my feet and I got special oh my socks God. for it. So. so happy that you found somebody to love you. <laughs> you're you Again, are. you're so lucky. You're hot. <laughs> Um, you really are. Okay. Other people aren't as blessed and are walking around with pea cream on their heels and they are destined for a tougher life than you. <laughs> oh, the gang's oh. all here. Oh, I missed us. I missed nice you guys. I shitting you guys. on Delaney together. Oh, God. Delaney can oh, take it because nice. she's the happiest. <laughs> yeah, truly. I mean. That's what you get, bitch. <laughs> I got pee feet now. Are you guys happy? <laughs> yes. We, we feel better. Thank you for balancing out your life with ours. Um, um, okay. Well. So you guys um, go to ttomcomedy.com, get the tour date tickets. Uh, go to yes. kelseycook.com, get the tour date tickets. I'm in San Francisco this week. Uh, the Punchline, West Palm Beach in a couple weeks. Grand Rapids, uh, Sacramento, everything coming up. Go go get those. Taylor, what are some of the ones that are upcoming? This comes out uh, October 11th. Cedar Rapids, Jacksonville, Fort Lauderdale, Chicago, Atlanta, Cleveland, D.C. It's like the Boys. next month. Okay. Okay. Boys. And then Dell, uh, what, what you got going? DelaneyFisher.com, podcast, aficionado, and business coaching information is on there. Amazing. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks, guys. We love, love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 